Glad you could join us for episode 121 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we continue our discussion of Joss Whedon's space western Firefly starring Nathan Fillion and Sean Marr. And today we'll be examining episode nine, Ariel, in just a few moments. But before we get there, we'd, as always, love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or the website where you can record a voicemail via the send voicemail tab. And you can also record your own audio clip, send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So, dude, we got to go back to work Monday. Yeah, I know. It's bound to happen eventually. Oh, man. I'm telling you, you know, it's it, obviously our summer. And, and look, we, we know we shouldn't be complaining. Half the listeners are out there probably like ready to smack us through the uh, <laughs> airwaves. Uh, I did want to update the listeners on the Android experience. And I don't mean the Androids like in sci-fi, rather the uh, phone app. And there is some news for podcast fans. The highly praised Podbean podcast app has now been released for Android, and you can download this Podbean app at the Google Play Store. It's, of course, free, and it will allow you to access Podbean's extensive network of podcasts. Obviously, you just want ours, though. Right. Uh, Search by category, subscribe to your favorite podcasts, or even discover some new podcasts, you know, maybe about unrelated podcasts things uh you can instantly stream or download podcasts to play anytime even offline uh you can stay updated automatic downloads of your latest episodes an option to auto delete played episodes and then you can stay organized with smart playlists view your view your play history so it sounds like it's something that's worth checking out if you are in fact an android user and uh you know let us know what you think and you can contact, uh, you know, if you have any problems, I mean, you can certainly uh, shoot us an email, but there is a... So we'll be like, oh. <laughs> well, we would say, uh, check out support.podbean.com with any questions. So, uh, Or if you're yeah. an actual Android, you can uh, listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there, I think you're just probably accessing it yeah, but wirelessly you can, through the cortex. But, you know, if you want to kind of look like everybody else and, you know, blend in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, A little bit of listener feedback. Taltos wrote in about the tattoos and the male manticore kids, because if you recall, we were talking about how, you know, how is it that they go around and nobody notices? Right. And And she mentions that in season one, Zach regularly had his tattoo removed, which is how Max tracked him in episode six of season one. And then we'd like to thank, I, I guess this would be pronounced, ice atc 13 for the review that we got in itunes and we really thank you guys we haven't mentioned it lately but it really means a lot to us and and i think it certainly helps the podcast visibility so thank you for that all right dude we're down to our last two actors so in tonight's firefly news the featured actor is sean marr and I'm sure you remember that he appeared in two season two episodes of Arrow as the villain Shrapnel. And, and you know what? I didn't even realize it was him at the time. Yeah, I don't think, I think that one kind of got by me. Yeah. Um, he was a series regular on the 2011 series, The Playboy Club, which kind of looked at, you know, of course, Hugh Hefner's Playboy Club back in the uh, early days. Uh, he has a recurring role. There was on a eight- show about that? Uh, I know. I missed it. How did I miss it? I don't even know what network it was on. Okay. Uh, um 
had a recurring role on ABC Family's Make It or Break It, which followed a group of teen Olympic hopefuls as they trained and prepared for their day in the spotlight. He was, of course, Don John in Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing, which was awesome. And then currently he's in post-production on a film called Isra 88. And the description here is that a scientist and a pilot volunteer for a high-profile mission to reach the end of the universe. After 13 years, the ship crashes through the end of the universe and into the unknown. It's going to be released sometime in 2015. And I can't remember if I put a link to the trailer for it, but if I didn't, I will. But the thing there is, uh, this was one of those, uh, I don't know if it was Indiegogo or you know, fund me or, or one of these like uh, crowdsources. Yeah, exactly. It might've been Kickstarter, but the trailer doesn't have Sean Marr in it, even though the character he plays is in the trailer. So, you know, I'll probably put that out there, but understand that, yeah, I guess they just put this out there. This is what we want to do. And then once they got the money, they got some uh, better actors. He's in pre-production on a film called The Old Hag Syndrome, which is a horror film described as children. Rihanna and Annette are happy. However, after an evening of ghost stories and games with their friend Tara, what started as innocent fun soon turns into a nightmare. So, uh, And then, of course, he's going to be part of Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion's Con Man, which begins in September. So, uh, you know, he's hanging in there. Yeah. Okay. Keep him busy. So, all right. Now, one thing I did want to mention is the idea of the proliferation of comics on television. And we've talked briefly about it. And, you know, maybe sometime we'll we'll do a show if we ever get a, you know, get a chance where we don't really have anything else impending. But seems uh, unlikely. It seems unlikely. Yes. But uh, obviously the critically acclaimed but little watched Constantine, which got canceled after one season of 13 episodes, and, and you know, the, the fans were really out there trying to bring it back, and there was talk that it might be picked up by another network, but it wasn't. And then the next thing we hear in the last week or two is that the character, John Constantine, is going to join the cast of Arrow. And, you know, Wayne, i got a problem with this. I You know, it, it's Constantine... You know, I mean, he's a demon hunter. The show cent- centers around the occult, supernatural threats. What the hell does that have to do with Arrow? Mm, I don't know. It might have to do with season three plot thread getting kind of ridiculous, maybe? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, again, Constantine, it, it deals with demons and angels, and there are obviously religious overtones. And that's not at all what we're looking at in Arrow. I, I, you know, yeah, there's I, not that element of the supernatural really at all, except for like him falling off like a huge cliff after getting stabbed and then like living. Yeah, but but yeah, but that's not supernatural or the occult. So well, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. It just seems like it. it, it it's again this little tidbit to the Constantine fans to bring them over to Arrow, which wasn't in trouble ratings wise. It was doing fine. Yeah. I don't, I, I think probably, well, I mean, not probably, but obviously the people who make Arrow are, you know, huge comic book fans and, you know, they just saw a chance to kind of geek out a little bit maybe. And uh, you know, like I guess kind of a trust that they have an actual plan in mind. That's not too ludicrous. 
Or maybe it is ludicrous, and that's just how they're going to roll. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get that Constantine is a D.C. property, uh, you know, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, you've got something also you want to talk about. So, yeah. So last night, uh, I went to the old Red Box and rented Ex Machina. I thought, I knew that Michael had mentioned it on a Facebook page before, but I was wondering if you'd seen that. Oh, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty. So I think it was uh, Peter also in the Facebook page had brought up like the kind of proliferation of AI themed shows and movies and everything. And and certainly, you know, when you watch something like that, I mean, yeah, it's science fiction, but it doesn't seem like it's really that fictional. Like the idea of, you know, like watching humans too, that were really necessarily that far from this being a thing. Right. And then, of course, dark matter, even though it doesn't really focus on the same issues, because, I mean, the issues that really come up in Ex Machina, uh, in humans, certainly. Wait a minute. I thought you didn't like humans. I didn't say I didn't like it. Uh, I, I, it was, I don't I think know. think your comment was, meh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I felt bad because like, right after I did that was not the last episode, but the one previous to that, which was really good when we kind of find out all about, was it Mia and, right. uh, and Leo and everything and, and their relationship. I thought it was like a really good episode. So I almost uh, took back the meh. Uh, comment but then the last episode went back to meh land so but i I still think it's a good show though well yeah and and i think what i really like and this certainly comes out in ex machina which i saw before humans you know is this examination of the moral and ethical dilemmas that face man created sentient beings and and, you know how are we going to address this what rights do they get and uh, the and you know what Man playing God by building artificial intelligence never ends well. No, no, that's that's kind of like the the one theme of, of all these. Though you see in humans, you know, like Mia is probably one of the most human characters in the show, right? Sure. But but yeah, for the most part, that you have what's the the blonde girl's name on human? I can't remember. But you know, but she's like the opposite, right? She's kind of like the the nightmare of what can happen and 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 yeah you know if you build something that can think and feel but you know is it a machine is it a person what what do we what is human what is life there's all kinds of questions that come well, up well in. right and that's really a front and center in extant right now which is i think one of the se- one of the reasons that season two has gotten so good but anyway we are here to talk about firefly Yes. I, don't, I don't think we did too badly. It's only about the 12-minute mark. That's not too bad. But actually, before we get I, I feel bad keeping this. Just really a quick question, because I, I imagine what you could say. What do you think about Zoe Palmer's acting on Dark Matter? Dude, really? Yeah, I'm putting you out there. Yeah. Okay, you know, so here, I, okay. let me just say what right, So here, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm actually torn, because on the one hand, she does, actually, she does a great job of – you know, kind of separating, she's like, you know, she's not a human, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, but on the other hand, sometimes like with uh, the high-pitched voice and everything, I'm like, sometimes I'm thinking, God, it's either not at all a great job or a really good job. I can't, I'm kind of torn. I'm not sure whether she's, it's it's like good acting or bad. 
um, because sometimes I'm just like she, she, you know, like she pulls you out of it, and you know it's a person playing a robot, you know. But other times you're like, well, she's just she's making that distinction between humans and and the android. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, uh, first of all, I hate her character. It's clearly the weak link of the show. But as I've said before, I don't blame Zoe Palmer. I blame the director. I blame the writer. You know, they're the ones I'm assuming that are telling her to act that way. I mean, look, we've got a whole catalog of artificial intelligent characters to draw on. And that in at this point in time, there'd be no reason that she wouldn't be talking naturally, just right. like every other AI in sci-fi. So to have her talk like that, I, I don't understand. So so I hate her character, <laughs> but I don't blame the actress. Right. Okay. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, I, what I'm, I'm thinking is going to happen is like, you know, like the switch is just going to totally flip for the android and she's like going to go mental. And uh, that's when she'll start being like talking like normal, like everyone else. You know? Well, and I think, and maybe I'm just making this up, but but it seems to me that there was something in one of the episodes that perhaps explained why she talked like that, that there was still a tiny little glitch, you know, uh, once she was brought back online, but I don't know. Yeah. So. But three's awesome. The, yeah, they're all awesome. <laughs> I, I really do like that show. Yeah, I like the show a lot. Um, all right, but anyway, far from Anyway, Sorry. Episode 9, Ariel, written by Jose Molina, directed by Alan Croker, aired on November 15th, 2002. And we've got Serenity orbiting a central planet, Ariel. And while the crew has cabin fever, and most of them want nothing more than to get off the ship, Mal forbids anyone other than Inara to leave. And Well, Zoe doesn't want to leave either. And you can see it's like the soldiers who are reluctant and the civilians who want to get off the ship. Well, that's true. That's true. The, the first thing that occurred to me, though, is, you know, the title really doesn't do justice to this episode, which really reveals the true character of a number of crew members. You know, I almost think, and, and of course this is absurd, but, but you know, the like true colors would have been a better title. But oh, then, and they could have had like the Cindy Lauper song yeah, on there and everything. That'd be nice. I know. But but then <laughs> I started thinking about it and it's almost as if, you know, this central planet, you know, which is, you know, home to the Alliance, it, it kind of brought all of this out. I mean, on, on the one hand, you could argue that, that somebody like Jane, you just can't tempt him with money because no. he's going to make the wrong decision every time. Well, Especially, I mean, wasn't it just, yeah, it was the last episode when we saw how he came on board. Like, how could you ever trust a guy like that? You just throw some numbers and money at him and he shoots his his partner. Well, yeah, and in a previous episode, I forget which one, I think Malcolm even asks him why he didn't sell him out. And he just said, eh, the money wasn't good it enough. It was the pilot. Oh, was that the pilot? Yeah, okay. remember he was uh, with the the fed who was on board and everything like that and oh right 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 so so yeah i mean that's kind of i mean we've seen jane standing by mal a lot being the kind of hero quite a few times but on the other hand like, yeah, as we said you know like his very existence on the ship is coming about because of duplicity yeah and, and you know last week we talked about the interesting way the episode was structured with the present and then the two levels of the past and and this one's kind of interesting too in that 
you know, once we get past the opening scene, you know, it's divided up into the job, the escape, and then back on Serenity because, you know, once they get back on Serenity, there's still about six or seven minutes left to go mm-hmm. for things to be wrapped up. But, you know. Oh, that's the biggest, probably the biggest scene in it is yeah. back on Serenity, right? Yeah. So in many ways, this one's really about Simon and Jane with Mal and Zoe playing major support roles. Wash and Kaylee are kind of in reserve. And Nara appears briefly before going off on her destination. And we only hear about Shepard Book. Right. And a, a lot with River, too. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, to bring a Dark Angel tie into the episode, the progression of events only reinforces what Zach always preached, which is really Malcolm Reynolds' mantra as well. Stay out of the light. Yep. Keep a low profile. Right. But the question that really nags at me does mal agree to the plan because of the hefty payday or does he do it for simon and river that's an excellent question i you know that's a good question (laughs) i don't know if i have an answer to that one because i know at the end you know he you know he mentions it uh, about simon the boy has a pretty good criminal mind there but I, I just wonder, because you know, especially after she cuts Jane, because I wonder, does he see River in the same way that he sees the other members of the crew as broken? I mean, clearly she's more broken than the others, but everybody's got their problem. Yeah, I mean, the, the one constant with Malcolm Reynolds is that his crew and the people on his ship, and, and he reinforces that this episode, oh, are no question. absolutely of tantamount importance to him. So... I think it's probably a little of both, you know, yeah. obviously the payday is super important. We know that he needs to keep this boat running, right? And that they are always strapped for cash. Uh, but on the other hand, I think the Simon's argument that he can help his sister uh, also strikes with Malcolm as well. Right, exactly. Um all right, so the opening scene, we see the crew going through, you know, just innocuous behavior, eating, reading, Jane's cleaning his gun, when River inexplicably attacks Jane with a blade and cuts him badly enough that he's going to need stitching. But I started thinking again on the rewatch, does she do it just because he keeps spitting while Simon's trying to eat? Yeah, it, it could be. Or it's it's so inexplicable, though. It's so out of nowhere. But we know bad things are happening when we see her pick up the knife and we're like oh dear right Uh. and and you know simon has to be worried while he's stitching up jane and of of course jane's going on that the two of them need to be you know dropped off at ariel and then mal tells him no one's getting left and then of course he does after jane leaves he does tell him you know that you you know what our deal was and if you can't control her then we got to revisit the deal which Again, not I'm going to kick you off, but I don't know what revisiting the deal would mean exactly. But yeah, still. it's just still like kind of like a thready type thing. But yeah, I mean, if you know, River is the wild card. You know, she is really uncontrollable. She's unpredictable, and he admits that she's getting worse. Right, right. So, and you know, through this episode, we see a lot. That I mean, obviously, we know that something terrible has happened to her, and that you know what happened to her is not her fault. But by the end of this episode, we also see and learn a lot more about River that we 
sympathize with her a lot more as well. Yeah, sure. Now, Serenity's landed on Ariel, which is a planet in the core alliance territory, so that Inara can report for her yearly physical examination that all companions must complete. So we assume that's the sole reason why they're here, because otherwise they would not want to be anywhere near the alliance, of course. No, um, alas, when they, you know, were going weeks out of their way just to avoid any kind of contact with anyone. So, yeah, definitely they wouldn't want to be there except for that they have to be there. Right. And we learned that Book was dropped off at the Abbey. So that's, of course, why we don't see him in this episode. And then there's complaining, mostly from Jane, that if they don't leave the ship, how are they going to get work? And then that's when Simon, of course, announces that he has a job for the crew. And, you know, while this certainly is a Simon-centric episode, and, and we've seen him at the center of an episode before, just never as the person proposing, planning, and leading one of the crew's jobs and an illegal one at that. And as, like I mentioned, Mal says later, the boy's got a good criminal mind. Right. Well, you know, we forget that he got River out of wherever she was. So that clearly, you know, took some planning, right? Good point. Good point. Because um, one of the things I was thinking about, how does he know who to bribe to get the uniforms? Right. Well, yeah. Well, because he spent all this time kind of greasing palms and everything in order to get River out and everything. So, though, you know, I mentioned uh, with Janestown how, you know, Simon really didn't hold up as a, uh, his acting job wasn't very good at trying to be being a criminal or whatever. But I guess as a planner, he's, you know, he's pretty talented at that. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that, that as he's planning the job, he's certainly much more comfortable about his role in the job since he planned it. Well, you know, it's obviously also Jane-centric, and Jane finally does what we've all been waiting for him to do, which is to sell out his crew to the highest bidder. We don't see him do it, and, you know, we don't see him make the contact, and I guess that's one of the things that I always wondered about. I mean, did he contact this guy from Serenity, and if so, how? And if he did, how come Wash didn't know that he did it? Right. Well, but he also went down to pick up the uniforms too. So he probably could have done it there. Yeah. We don't know when he makes contact, but right. uh, he could have done it when he was uh, on the planet. And it's also Kaylee's first time in the core, which kind of reinforces what we've kind of suspected about her, the small town girl that's really never been anywhere. Yep. Ne- never been off the farm, so to speak. So, all right. Well, the first stage of this episode is the job and the job is to infiltrate st lucy's hospital so that simon can take river in for a brain scan to try to learn what the alliance did to her at the school and as payment what he's done is tell malcolm not only what to take where to take it from and how to get it out and I love it. Mal even has all the things written on his wrist or yeah, something. He's got it written on his forearm. Yeah. Um, and that they will then resell them out on the rim. And somebody brings up that, well, won't they need those medicines? And, and then again, oh, the, 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 they'll be restocked within hours. Right. So it's again, stealing from the rich to sell to the poor this time. Um, and it's your, you know, classic crime caper, you know, kind of structure here but uh which which i love you know like like the oceans 11 uh movies and everything like that you know 
Yeah, oh, a lot of similarities, no question. Yeah. And, and the other thing I thought of is Kaylee MacGyver. Yeah. I mean, well, she didn't use any duct tape, but uh, yeah, that was a pretty nice uh, patch job they did on that ship. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, the plan. And Go ahead. I don't think MacGyver ever looked that good with a blowtorch and goggles on. No, she, no, he didn't. All right. So, uh, Mal, Zoe, and Jane are going to be posing as medical personnel. So, Simon has to train them how to speak and how to act. And, and that was certainly the funniest scene in the entire episode. Yeah. Trying to recite answers to medical questions that they'll likely be asked. And then, of course, ironically, they're not asked anything. Just go. Jane says, you know, if I wanted schooling i would have gone to school <laughs> yeah yeah so you know they need a vehicle or an ambulance to enter the facility so wash and kaylee scour this junkyard to essentially build their own and that's what i was you know the the macgyver reference and yeah. it's beautiful um yeah yep. yeah well I, I like they're in the, the junkyard and kaylee's like oh you know i finally get to a core plant and what am i doing going through a junkyard and she says "Ooh, synchronizers <laughs> yeah, yeah that was great <laughs> yeah like uh, you take the, the girl off the ship. Uh, yeah. Yep. So the ship's done. They've painted it. It's beautiful. And then suddenly Mal, Zoe, and Jane exit the vehicle in EMT uniforms. Simon tells them to, to complete the charade, though. They're going to need not patients, but corpses. Mm-hmm. He and River are going to have to be dead. I'm beginning to like this plan, remarks Jane. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Simon explains to River, and this is obviously going to be a problem, that he's going to have to induce a state of death in both of them. And clearly, I think she's more terrified about returning to an alliance outpost than being placed into a death state. Yeah, well, I, if you, you see, like, her whole time on Ariel is really stressful and the look on her face in almost every scene she's looking like very scared and or horrified yeah and she says i don't want to die you know and even though she's not going to be you know dead dead like her life is super important to her right it's it's, and i know that sounds stupid and and basic but you know despite being having issues and despite being broken as you said you know in her core there is that that same longing that that is in all of us right well sure and you know we we often talk about kaylee being just a simple girl uh, and we don't mean that as a negative it's just that you know she, she doesn't need a lot of frills a lot of extraneous things and on one level we've looked at river as being really simple even though at the same time we know she's highly complicated right so, all right uh, you know and uh, as simon convinces her that this is the only way you see that tear running down her cheek and, and and look we've gotten emotional about river before but you know this is really an emotional episode no question mm-hmm. yeah especially for for river you know again you know we we kind of see what she's up against and uh and we understand maybe a little bit why she, how she is, as she is. Yeah. And, and one of the things I really liked is how the plan unfolded. So in other words, the initial stage of the plan goes better than expected since they're not questioned at all on the intake. Of course, Jane feels the need to speak one of the lines that he spent so much time. <laughs> well, it, it's his line. It's his only line, right? <laughs> right. And he spent so much time trying to uh, remember it that, uh, you know, he just feels he has to say it. 
Right. And, and, you know, it's it's shortly after that that we find out that he's, in fact, sold out Simon and River to the Alliance and, and is about to become a very rich man. Now, Simon and River come out of their induced states, and the three of them make their way to the MRI machine, pass through a recovery ward where River notices that one of the patients is going to die. And, and you know, we, we've had, and again, obviously we've seen the entire series, but, you know, on first watch, again, it's one of those pieces of information about her that, that she is just hyper aware mm-hmm. and, and just senses that this guy's, in fact, knows he's going to die. And so we're not sure whether she's able to see and process that the doctor has incorrectly treated her or whether she has this sixth sense. Right. And you see that Simon doesn't question it for a second, right? It's not like he blows her off and says, oh, okay, whatever, he's going to die. Sure, sure. Um, He takes it seriously right away, and he goes over and almost blows it. Well, he does blow his cover, kind of, but he could have just the whole operation. He, He hasn't, they haven't even been to the 3D imager yet. They haven't put her... You know, he hasn't gotten the quote-unquote x-ray or whatever. He could have just completely destroyed the whole thing, the whole plan, by going to help this guy. Right, and that's not unexpected given what we know of Simon. So so he's not acting out of character when he does that. But then, I think more importantly for that scene, is the way Jane reacts. Because you see Jane looking on as he's doing this, and you wonder... At this point, is he now having second thoughts? Yes. River cut his chest open. He's wanted them off the ship ever since they got on. But does he have a newfound respect for Simon? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I really kind of didn't notice Jane that much. So I don't know. But I think he's probably torn in, in so far that obviously his main goal is let's keep moving because he's got his objective, which is to double cross them. Which is funny that they let them actually go through the whole thing of getting the the scans of River before the double cross takes place. I just thought about that. You mean the Alliance people? Well, yeah, and Jane too. You know, arranging for them to be taken only after Simon's able to scan her. But you know, I always like that the look that Simon gives the uh, the doctor who when he says, "What'd you give him?" The doctor tells him, and he gives him this look like. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, like that, um, which is what we know about Simon is that he's like a really excellent doctor. Right. And he told us that before. And now we get to kind of see it in action here. Well, again, anytime Mal and Zoe are alone together, it, usually it's a pretty good scene. And they have this brief encounter with a doctor and it doesn't seem to be going entirely smoothly. We're not too concerned when he wants them to follow him, but Zoe decides, now nah, I'm not going to take any chances and tases him <laughs> and then clear <laughs> yeah. to use the medical term, even though that's not exactly <laughs> what she meant by that. Now, Simon conducts the procedure on River, and that's counterpointed against Mal and Zoe stealing the drugs that they came for. And that didn't go entirely smoothly either because their IDs wouldn't open the door, but then obviously they had the unconscious doctor and yeah and his luckily enough work. right what stands out also jane's clearly out of his element in the medical setting while simon's examining her he learns that someone cut into river's skull repeatedly and explains to jane that he now knows because of the portion of her brain that was cut out instead of being able to push disturbing thoughts into the background 
She feels everything. And again, you know, in, in kind of the same way that I, I observed Jane as Simon was saving that man's life, I, he sort of has that same look here. And, and now is he regretting getting a big payday for selling out his friends? I don't know. Uh, Maybe that's not Jane, but. Right. Um, but he, he certainly, you know, that sympathy uh, that he has. And, yeah, you know, I mean, how can you can't sit there and, and hear what Simon says and understand what we know now about River and not feel sorry for her, yeah. you know, that you, you can't be a human and, and that doesn't happen. I, I think certainly he, he's experiencing some doubt here and uh, maybe a little bit of regret. Now, not enough to actually, you know, change his plan. Right. But certainly a little bit. But yeah. but yeah, it's that thing where we talked about how really starting to sympathize with River even more when we learn like what her her real issue is. Yeah, you just really you know feel terrible for her. Yeah, but like you said, nonetheless, he leads them to the federal marshals who are ready to take them into custody. But in a twist of poetic justice, they arrest Jane as well, so that that guy can get the reward. Yeah. So. Jane didn't really think this one out very well. He but did not. All right. Not so, necessarily his strong suit, though. All right. So we go to stage two, which is the escape. And River goes on about they took Christmas away. And, and I don't know, I'm not sure exactly, uh, unless she's just referring to what it is they did to her, that they took any ability for her to experience joy away. Because, you know, certainly Christmas generally engenders a feeling of joy in most people. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is, again, one of those things where River says things a lot that, on, on the one hand, could be just random uh, thoughts getting out and not really making any sense. But then in isolation, you look at them and they, there, there, there is significance in them. And I think you're exactly right here that they said they took Christmas away. Um, seems like just kind of a random something just jumping out. But uh, on the other hand, really suggests that loss of innocence that she's experienced here. Yeah. And then she looks at Jane. This is they're all sitting together handcuffed. She looks at Jane and says, don't look in the closet. It's greedy not in the spirit of the holiday. And it's as if she knows. And then again, the look on his face, he knows that she knows he sold them out. And it's then that Jane makes the first move. He and Simon both handcuff attack the guards and river stands by horrified. But I'm thinking perhaps it's more at seeing her brother act in a way. She's never seen him rather than seeing Jane do what he did because you know, a Simon was pretty violent in this scene as well. But again, he had no choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we, we see River, in, the, in fact, the next episode, and then certainly in the, the movie of Serenity, um, you know, her ability to act with violence is, you know, it's like not something she's not used to. It's, it's not something she's never done before. Yeah, you could just, that's really notable here, how much she is horrified by what she's witnessing. And yeah, it's probably as much as seeing Simon throwing down as to see Jane, you know, choking a guy. Yeah. And just at one point, I think he crushed that guy's jaw, but 
Regardless, they disable the guards. Jane gets the guy's handcuff keys. I almost started thinking he was not going to release Simon, but of course he immediately goes there, immediately goes and releases River. And then meanwhile, back on Serenity, Kaylee's been monitoring Chatter. Mal and Zoe are now going into the hospital because they realize that something's gone wrong. You know, they're late. And Wash mans the ambulance and now we've got to get them away. So the first step, you know, they've freed themselves from the handcuffs. Simon grabs that gun, hands it right to Jane, and then they disagree on which way to go. Doesn't matter, River tells them they're here. And, and I'm wondering, who's she referring to? Is it the Alliance or is she referring to Mal and Zoe who are there to help them? Well, we we knew from... I mean, we actually knew from episodes ago that there's these guys with the blue gloves who are trying to chase down River. But uh, when the marshal takes them, you know, even Simon says, you know, there's someone more important than you wants us alive. Um, So we know that there's, you know, some big baddie that's going to be coming for them soon. And we see them now. Yeah, and that was a, a pretty horrific device, some kind of sonic device that induces bleeding from the eyes, nose, and ears. And yeah, yikes! Uh, and, and and then of course River hears the screams, runs out with Jane and Simon following her, and then uh, utters that you know that line that I think you were alluding to, two by two hands of blue. So these must still be the same two guys that have been operating on her. Now, why they're wearing the blue gloves, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's a nice little fashion accessory. Yeah, but we well, we certainly get that Dr. Mengelev vibe, uh, as well as the guy from 12 Monkeys. I can't think of his name, but, you know, doing the same right. kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. S- same kind of stuff. So as they're escaping, it, it's almost as if River intuitively knows where to go, points out a door that Jane unsuccessfully tries to open with his gun, and then the next thing you know, Mouse shooting yeah. it open from the opposite the side. High-tech alliance crap, he says. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so then stage three, we're back on Serenity, and, you know, I think on most shows, there'd be like a minute or two left in the episode. They'd get away, wrap things up, but like you said at the at the head of the show, this is maybe the most important scene in the whole episode. Mm-hmm. So we first see Kaylee explaining to Inara, who's now back from her checkup, what's going on. And she's doing it just very matter-of-factly. Well, yeah. we, we killed Simon and River, stole a bunch of medicine. Now the captain and Zoe are out springing the others, got snatched by the feds. Oh, here they are now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, just another day yeah, in the office. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of like, oh, you know, well, here's, here's kind of a couple things, you know. Like, yeah, we got a new coffee machine. and Yeah, it was very funny. What do you make of, you know, because now we're talking about the really pointed stuff in, in, in this final stage. Simon tells the others that if it weren't for Jane, they wouldn't be standing here. Yeah, talk about dramatic irony, right? Like, that's huge. And even River is kind of looking at Jane with this kind of almost reverential look on her face. Like, he's like the big hero here to them. They don't know about the double cross, so all they see is how he got them out of the trouble. Right. Now, I I agree with you on Simon, but I I just wonder about River. I I just wonder whether she knows maybe it doesn't matter. I I I just, I was like watching her as 
you know, as I'm watching this episode, I'm watching her, and she's like beaming, like she's got a huge smile on her face, and she's looking up at Jane. So, you know, which on the other hand, we say, I mean, she seems like she knows everything, but in this case, it seems like she doesn't really. Yeah. Well, Mal mentions Jane's big payday, but he's referring to the drugs they stole. And, you know, for a moment, we assume that nobody knows what Jane did. But then after Mal mentions Simon coming through with a criminal plan, boy's got a decent criminal mind. Jane asks what Mal's going to do with his cut. And the next thing you know, he knocks him out with this wrench. Yeah. And he already had this huge welt on his forehead, I guess, from, from before. Yeah. And where we are now... Jane has committed the unpardonable sin in Malcolm's eyes. So what does he do? Now just put him in the airlock. Well, yeah, and he does, obviously. (laughs) But, I mean, it's put Malcolm in such a a difficult position because this is everything, right? Right. Loyalty is everything, and, and you've broken that trust. Absolutely. And I think Malcolm is prepared to, to kill Jane and, and have him go out that airlock. So do you think if he had not, you know, admitted what he did there, Mal would have sent him out? I think even if just the admission of what he did wasn't good enough, it was the don't tell him I did it. You know, yeah. that that shows the, the, the real regret. It shows that he, he cares what the others think about him and that, you know, it's I don't know, it's it's difficult to tell. I I mean, I know that by saying "Don't tell him I did," it shows real regret on the part of Jane. But why does that save his life? Yeah, and it comes on the heels of Jane's town. You know, where, where he's knows that he's perceived as this heroic figure, and it's almost as if now what people think of me is important. Which I think, on one level, is why he says that to Malcolm. On the other hand. Does he just not want Simon and River to know that they were sold out, that, that you know, what our lives mean so little that we could be sold out? Or re- would he rather just, you know, them think, you know, what they are thinking, that they just happen to get caught? Right. But then Jane, he almost, you know, it's, it's almost as if he's got one foot out the airlock now when he says to Malcolm, well, it ain't like I ratted you out to the feds. And then Malcolm's like, you turn on any of my crew, you turn on me. And basically tells him he's sending him to his death. And, and then like you mentioned, uh, Jane says, you know, don't tell him what I did. And then Mal's final line, the next time you decide to stab me in the back, have the guts to do it to my face. Right. Which normally would be kind of like a funny line, but coming when it did, it's not funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we talk often about characters and their ability to gain redemption. And I have to think about Jane here. Is there any way for him to gain redemption in Malcolm's eyes and, you know, in his own, you know, for for himself? Well, as you said, everyone on the ship is in need of some kind of redemption or another and that they're all in some way kind of broken. You know, Mal realizes that and, you know, that's again part of the humanity of Malcolm Reynolds is to to not kill Jane to give him another shot. And then in the final scene, which again it just gives me goosebumps, even you know thinking about as I'm looking at my notes, Simon finds River drawing what appear to be nesting dolls, Russian nesting dolls. But 
I wonder, are they figures of the crew? The, the, the last one to the right, the smallest one, looks like it's a Nara. And the first one, the biggest one, has, I can't remember if it's a red shirt or whatever, which I assume means Malcolm, but she sees the syringe that Simon's carrying and says, time to go to sleep again? No, May May. Time to wake up. And May May means younger sister in Chinese. Okay. And it just it just gave me chills. I mean, it's just so poignant. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and again, with us seeing, every, you know, now really understanding what has happened to River, we want her to be well now, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that we didn't before, but now we're just, the, the idea that she can be helped in some way, it didn't seem possible at the beginning of the episode when she's slicing Jane open. Uh, but now it seems like there is this possibility that she can be helped and she can be, you know, maybe even cured. You know, when, when thinking about how River got to be the way she is, I think it, it, at first we think that it was, it was more or less just brainwashing. But then when we find out it was so much more invasive, do we even feel more empathy for her and more sympathy rather? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you wonder, is that going to have a big impact on Jane going forward in the, I guess, last four episodes of the show? Right, or that five. They never, yeah, right. That did they even get? Show? I'm, I'm thinking now we're getting close to the, the ones that never even made it to television at all. Right, right. All right. Anything else uh, that we're leaving out? No, I think we got pretty much everything in my notes. I, th- I think we know what grade we're giving this one. Um, so you got to be excited for next week. Yeah. Next week, that's my favorite. Yeah. So, all right, well, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you about Firefly, Dark Angel, or anything else you think we should be watching. And I'd like to always encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week with Firefly Episode 10, titled War Stories, which is Wayne's favorite and the favorite of a lot of people. But... Until then. So, you know, Dave, I really think we should maybe script these podcasts, start doing this, because just once, I'd like things to go according to the Goron plan. <laughs>